So they uh, said, okay, well, uh, you know, back then they were like, we know we need to go uh, to electronic records and that that is where everything's going. And um, they came up with the security rule and said, these are the bare minimums that you should do to ensure you are protecting electronic copies of your records, patient records. And there's administrative requirements, uh, physical uh, uh, safeguards, and technical safeguards. And I don't know about you guys, but a lot of folks that are in IT say, yeah, I know everything there is to know about HIPAA. And I'm like, "Eh." you know, and how did you learn it? Well, I worked in the hospital IT department, so we had to know everything. You're listening to Donna Grendel. Donna Grendel is the owner of Cardin Compliance. She's been working with HIPAA compliance in the healthcare cybersecurity field for nearly two decades. She has a ton of experience in the field. And I'm sure there's a lot of useful information for you in this episode. Even if your organization is not required to be compliant with HIPAA, there's lots of lessons you can take from HIPAA compliance. And Donna makes this very clear, and I'm sure that you're really going to like today's episode. Hi there, and welcome back to the SMB Cybercast podcast, where it's all about helping small and medium enterprises and IT professionals learn cybersecurity improve their defenses, and prevent breaches. If you want to take the security of your organization to the next level, then this is the right place for you. Welcome, and thanks for listening. This show is sponsored by CyberX. CyberX is a cybersecurity agency that specializes in the needs of small and medium enterprises. We believe that everyone is at the risk of attack these days, and that's obvious from the increase in attacks across the board. So if your company needs help with compliance, security, managed security operations, penetration testing, vulnerability management, or any other security need, feel free to reach out to us. You can send us a message at cyberx.tech contact. That's cyberx.tech contact. All right, let's get back to the show. So we're going to go ahead and welcome Donna Grindle to the show. Donna has her own podcast, her own compliance company. Um, we both listen to her podcast. We enjoy it. Um, she has a ton of useful information. And without further ado, let's get straight to what Donna has to talk about. So, Donna, we want to hear what you have to say today. <laughs> if you start telling us about yourself and whatever you want to talk about, we have a few questions. All right. Um, well, I have to make sure that I point out that I have a, a co-host on my podcast because <laughs> I give him a hard time when he gets interviewed and doesn't mention me. So let me let me just get that out of the way before I forget because you got to be able to have your own uh, attitude, if you will. <laughs> but David Sims is my co-host. He's there in Charlotte area. And what it lets us do on our podcast is, uh, you know, we just talk about things that we would normally talk about anyway, and then we record them. Um, and that was our original idea four years ago. The way we met is um, my background is I always say I'm uh, the grandma that comes in to train developers when I do uh, teach them about HIPAA. And uh, the uh, 
back in 1987, I started writing electronic claim software. So that's a long time ago. And mm-hmm. I've been in healthcare at some level of IT ever since then and um, started my own business. Uh, I started doing independent consulting in 98 and formed Carden Group LLC and uh, officially on J- January 1st, 1999. So you have a ton of experience. You've seen. I've seen a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I started in all of this before HIPAA was passed. And a lot of people say, oh, so you've been doing HIPAA since 1996. And I'm like, no, not really. Uh, You know, and I have to explain that the privacy rule wasn't fully implemented until 2003. And the transaction code sets and security rules came in in 2005. Um, so at this point, you know, those rules have been there a long time, but until 2009, there wasn't any significant enforcement. And uh, back in those days, we're trying to get people to implement cybersecurity standards. You know, and this is before everything was fully connected. Um, you know, it's before uh, iPhones existed. Right. And a lot of people forget that, you know, well, it was 2007. And uh, so at that time, everybody said, well, what's going to happen if I don't do this? And the only thing I could say is uh, nothing. <laughs> so guess what everybody did? Um, but now nothing. It, nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> In 2009 is when they added enforcement. Still didn't catch on. Still didn't catch on. And things really started changing in 2016. Um when Presbyterian Hospital in California got hit with ransomware in, I want to say, May, June, July time frame of 2016. And at that point, everything changed. And uh, people now, it's like data breaches left and right, and Mm -hmm. you have to notify people. And now I get to say, well, if you'd have done that then, you probably wouldn't be dealing with this now. So if you don't mind, I'm going to interrupt. Do you think that's sort of indicative or uh, kind of how the whole industry is that people don't really do things until they're forced to? Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, think about it. Even as kids, did you just go do your homework? <laughs> you know, uh, did you clean your room because you felt like cleaning it? And now there are folks that do that, granted. Um, you know, I have a nephew that likes to wear iron shirts and bow ties since the time he was T-19. I just go with that and say, wow, that's awesome. But uh, uh, when it comes to doing what we're supposed to do, you know, I just joke about, uh, you know, when you see the speed limit sign, that's merely a suggestion. Yeah. Um, so most people don't do exactly the speed limit. I like to do about three miles over <laughs> but <clears throat> that's human nature um and do you think we can change that with awareness of the issue well because you know to say what's going to happen if i don't do this before uh you know in uh, almost 20 years ago we didn't have data breaches like we do today Right, right. The world is different, and that's right. the awareness that we have to teach. Right, is 
we, you know, when you sit down at a computer before back then, you were independent and you might be connected to a network, but that network was behind castle walls. And if you got into that network, you had to know the secret code and there was only one way in. Right. We don't live that way yeah, anymore. Yeah, that's before cloud, Skype, and all of... Well, just even the, the devices. You know, so now you're not supporting uh, a network. You're supporting devices, which is a different world. You can't just put right. the wall up like we used to. Yeah, right. there's so many entry points now. Yeah, and and so it's... It's like the difference in, in, in human nature and how much that's changed, you know, and that's what's fun for me because being a nerd, what we do is try to figure out uh, how this applies through human nature to get them that awareness. And really and truly, that's what our podcast is all about. You know, Help right. Me With HIPAA wasn't because we thought... Tons of people wanted our advice. We thought that tons of people didn't understand and we were trying to educate. Exactly. And I think that would be the same as our approach as well. You Correct. Know, we feel like we need to educate. We need, there is a, a, a group of companies or businesses out there that need to be educated about the dangers. You know, about small and medium businesses so often right. get overlooked because of budget and manpower. Well, it's not just those. I mean, look at Equifax. Come on. <laughs> yes, true. Yeah. They true. threw one dude under the bus, and you can't tell me that a company the size of Equifax counted on one guy to make sure something was done, uh, or uh, you know, millions of people's data was lost. True. So yeah, and and that's another part of it is, and I don't know about you guys, but we often hear um, things like. Um, well, if it happens to them, there's nothing I can do. True. We hear it all the time. Yeah. And to me. Or I don't have anything they care about. <laughs> oh, that one's the one that's brutal to me. Um, <laughs> and uh, um, um, now I can't. Krebs, Brian Krebs, has, mm -hmm. uh, had, he drew up a chart and it's on his website and I use it all the time and it freaks them out. Um, but it shows all the things that a hacker could do and, and it probably could have even more things on it today because it's, I think he did it a few years ago. All the things that a hacker could do, uh, with your computer. And right. it's got a computer in the middle and a pirate flag. And then, <laughs> you know, it's covered with list of things that people can do. And to explain that even if there's no data on that device, your security camera or your router or whatever could become part of a botnet today. Um, that's got to be terrifying. And once you teach them what a botnet is. Right. True. You know, you're part of the zombie army. And then, you know, to believe that you now could be helping the Korean North Koreans attack, um, you know, Microsoft or the Department of Defense. Hey, wait! Now I don't want any part of that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and and would it? It's it, it sad. It wouldn't. Does it have to get to the point where a company, or you know, I, I guess I'm, I'm what I'm about to say is probably far-reaching, but 
when it comes to the point where you're going to get um, held for espionage charges because you didn't secure your network and you helped North Korea, you know, does it have to get that point? You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they when we were trying, uh, we we ran a man. We were a managed service provider, so we did IT support, and you know, with our, our focus on healthcare, and we were trying to decide what we were going to do, and um, healthcare. You know, the the we know with our experience that turning healthcare is like trying to turn the Titanic. Right. And we could see in 2012, we knew that way off past the horizon was the iceberg, but we couldn't get anybody to listen to us about turning it. And we focus on small, uh, you know, our, our target market is, you know, usually about a thousand employees or less for our full service stuff. We do training and all of that other stuff for anybody. But um, at that point, everyone told us, all of these administrators that we got to know told us until something happens to somebody they know, nothing's going to change. That's unfortunate. I know. And so it did start changing in 2016. We finally saw it turn a little bit. So we started in 2012. And we joked that in 2013, we went to the Georgia Medical Group Management Association, the big state uh, conference. And we put our little booth up and we were talking HIPAA and security and how important it was. And we joked that people swung wide around our booth. (laughs) they were like you know throw the little thing you had to sign for the exhibit hall uh game they were playing but now there's like a party in our booth because everybody works with us and you know we've gotten a a large group of folks and more and more are coming because it's now happened to somebody they know right right yeah i think that might be a good segue point uh would you mind Giving us a little overview, maybe, of the HIPAA regulation and um, how that's applicable or can be an example for other um, organizations. Yeah, sure. Um, And, and, you know, we find people all the time that don't realize that HIPAA applies to them. So (laughs) they're like, wait, what? Right. We're business associates ourselves. So (laughs) we understand it. (laughs) So, uh, First of all, uh, many people don't realize that prior to HIPAA, there was no federal law that said your medical provider couldn't share your information with anybody they wanted to. That was pretty much there were some state laws about it, but no real specific law that everybody had to follow. And everybody thinks doctor patient confidentiality. Well, yeah, that but that's not a law. You're counting on everybody that works for the doctor. Uh, to be able to keep their mouth shut and not find something to share, even if it's your ex-wife or the best friend of your ex-spouse or whatever. And HIPAA came about and it provided that. Now, that wasn't the original intent of the law. It was the Health Insurance uh, (laughs) Portability and Accountability Act. And we all know it's HIP. Uh, it's not hip hop, hip hop, right? I still see that on forums occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
there's no PP in HIPAA. So, but the law has the privacy part of it is privacy, security, breach notification, and enforcement are what we focus on. But there's also transaction code set standards. There's a whole lot to the HIPAA law that most people think, oh, it just means I sign that paper when I go to the doctor. But, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I've worked with the transaction code set standards part, the privacy, the security, everything but the health insurance part. And privacy says these are the things that I can do with the information you give me without asking more permission. These are the things I can't do without your permission. These are the ways that you can give me permission and you can ask me to do certain things. You can ask me to amend it and I can consider that. You can ask me not to share it with a list of specific people. You can also say, I would like a copy of my records and I would like you to send them to this third party. So all of those things are in the privacy rule. And that's the section that really lays out what can and cannot be done. And often business associates will say they don't have to know anything about the privacy rule. Well, the security rule is there to meet the privacy privacy rule obligations. So they uh, said, "Okay, well, uh, you know, back then they were like, we know we need to go uh, to electronic records and that that is where everything's going. And um, they came up with the security rule and said, these are the bare minimums that you should do to ensure you are protecting electronic copies of your records, patient records. and." There's administrative requirements, uh, physical uh, uh, safeguards, and technical safeguards. And (laughs) I don't know about you guys, but a lot of folks that are in IT say, yeah, I know everything there is to know about HIPAA. And I'm like, (laughs) you know, and how did you learn it? Well, I worked in the hospital IT department, so we had to know everything. (laughs) Um, But at, at, some point, uh, you know, everyone would think that uh, these laws changed over time and there were changes to the privacy law because we added things like I can't use I can't force you to do a DNA test and check your genes in order for me to decide what I'm going to charge you for health insurance. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> You know, they added that because uh, genetic testing and DNA was nowhere, you know, in 96 where it is today. Um, But the the security rule hasn't changed at all. Not one change. Nothing. Since Hmm. way back then. It's a little concerning as much as the industry has changed. Well, but here's the thing is the way they wrote the law. It was designed to uh, apply to. Every state and every type and every size of entity that works with healthcare data. So people are like, it's so vague, you get to just decide. And I'm like, it's not really that vague. Right. Right. Uh, But it says these are your bare minimums. And this is, you know, if you follow HIPAA, you got a fighting chance. But it's not the be all end all. And compliance with HIPAA will not make you secure. Hmm. Uh, compliance with HIPAA will 
handle, you know, answering the questions about what you did and, you know, what you didn't do. But if you take it seriously, you realize you need to do above and beyond that. Exactly. So when we talk to small businesses who, you know, there are healthcare entities that aren't required to follow HIPAA. And I think a lot of people miss that is, you know, you look at concierge medicine, uh, med spa, those kind of places where they don't file insurance claims. If you do not file an electronic claim of any sort, if you don't do um, payments through the insurance company, filing insurance, whatever, then HIPAA doesn't apply. Period. You're done. And a lot of people, you know, wouldn't realize that you have a lot of uh, uh, plastic surgery, those kind of things where they're cash only business. So making the assumption that your data is being protected by them is uh, wrong. And a lot of people don't realize that. And then on the flip that side. leads to a couple other. Sorry. Pardon. Go ahead. So that leads to a couple other misconceptions we hear. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is most people think that their employer has to be uh, HIPAA compliant and that their records at their employer are safe. And the second is I hear people say, I'm not going to do computers. We're going to go paper so we don't have to be HIPAA compliant. <laughs> yeah, well, it's having paper medical records does not matter. If you file exactly. an electronic claim, that's what matters. And then they're exactly. like, well, I can't get paid otherwise. And I said, and there's the loop we're in. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the flip side of that is any of the businesses who provide services to those offices that are required to follow HIPAA, if their job requires them to have access to uh, protected health information, then they're a business associate like you and I are. And exactly. um, potential access yeah, it's it's that you could do it. If you exactly. could do it, that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I always uh, for a long time, we would have these IT folks that say, well, we don't have a login to the medical records. OK, but you have complete control of the firewall. You have complete control yep. of the server. You have complete yep. control of everything that happens on that network. Well, yeah. Right. Well, if I or someone external hacked into the network, had control of all those things, but never logged into the EHR, would you say you had been hacked by <laughs> somebody that shouldn't be there and they could have done things? Oh, well, yeah. Well, then there yeah, you go. Another way of looking at it. Yeah. You know, we don't, we don't do these things because we expect everything to go right. And uh, so those business associates, but what happens is, let's say you've got a doctor's office and they use a law firm to do their collections, you know, the um, follow up on the patient payments after our insurance is processed right. and everything. And there are law firms and accounting firms that do that. So you've got them. Well, then they're a business associate and they sign the paperwork, but they not, may not be strict enough with their HIPAA compliance requirements. So you got uh, they hire an IT company and that IT company says, we don't do health care. Well, you're not, but you are. That IT right, company is right. a business associate of the law firm and the law firm hasn't let them know they're hanging out in that liability tail. 
Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. We, we, uh, we go around and make sure, particularly with law firms and accounting, if you do any, any one of those, you want to make sure you understand if they're HIPAA business associates. Um, hmm. Because if you're doing business for them, then you could be in there and they may not even know it. You know, True. oh, we signed the paper. You know, I've had plenty of people say, we signed the business associate agreement. That's enough. I don't have to do anything else. Right. And not really know the whole playing field. <laughs> <laughs> or don't even read the agreement. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. And, and there's so many people. We've actually vetted somebody. And this was a nice size IT firm in the Midwest. We'll just leave it at that. And we send a questionnaire out when our clients hire, you know, their business associates, whatever. We send a questionnaire out and it starts with questions like, do you understand that you are subject to HIPAA requirements and enforcement? Okay. You just signed a document saying you were. So we're going to hope that that's a yes. <laughs> you know, and we've actually had people on that very first question say not applicable. After they signed a business associate agreement. And then it's, who's your security officer? Not applicable. Have you done a risk analysis? Not applicable. Um, what method did you use to do a risk analysis? There are many methods. And we had somebody send in all caps. If I told you this, I would tell you how to break in. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, no. I, you know, <laughs> he doth protest too much. <laughs> <laughs> So th those are the kind of things that uh, they're getting a little better. But, you know, okay. I just had somebody freak out on us because we asked them those questions and we had no right to do it. And I was like, your client's asking you. I'm just helping them. Oh, I think that's a very important part of security, even outside of HIPAA now. I mean, but HIPAA has really brought this to light with the third party breaches and how that affects um, the main organization. Uh, we've seen that a lot, especially the last few months. Well, the Quest um, and LabCorp alone has yeah. gotten everybody's, you know, that's brand new. And that was a third party of a third party. Right, right. Yeah, I told someone recently, if they're having issues with you probing or asking questions, then they really don't understand the concept. Exactly. You, you know, it, we all have to be able to do it. And, you know, I've gone through vetting processes and I'm not going to see anything but policies and procedures. I'm not even seeing PHI, but I have to go through a vetting process. Um, but I appreciate that. To me, it's like, yay, yeah. this is looking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think I'm really going to enjoy doing my evaluation here because there's going to be some great stuff in here. Um, but it, the thing that the next level is, you know, uh, I, I don't know, I'm – yeah, hiccup is what I call it. The uh, health information, something that came out with it December 28th. And it's the um, part of the Cybersecurity Act of 2015, 2016. And anybody, most people don't realize this, but the Cybersecurity Act came out and it said, you know, we've got to do all of these things to secure our infrastructure, our uh, government, all of these kind of things. It was right around, I think, right after the OPM breach. And uh, uh, it has all these sections in it, and then there's the other section, and it includes things like developing a workforce. 
Uh, I'm sure you guys are aware of how there is a bit of a shortage <laughs> in uh, skilled cybersecurity professionals. Oh, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, a crisis. <laughs> yeah, and and that they expect what by next year three million open jobs worldwide. That's right. That's right. And um, so you know it, it, they're trying to address that even you know five six years ago uh, when they bring this in and they're they're doing all these things and there's some really good uh, programs that are out there that are accessible and they're. All of these areas. So there's like four or five sections that they're addressing. And there's only one time in the entire law that points out a specific industry other than, you know, Department of Defense, you know, the government functions. Right. And there's 16 critical infrastructure sectors. You know, everything from the power grid to, uh, you know, gas and uh, coal or whatever you want to talk about. Uh, all of those different areas, financial, blah, blah, blah. Of those, healthcare is there, obviously, if we don't have public health. Um, right. Yeah. The only one right. that was singled out in the Cybersecurity Act was healthcare. Hmm. And it said, we got to do something to fix this, you know, help healthcare. And they did first a study to see how bad was it and what kind of things could help. And it was bad. You know, it was around the same time another report came out and said it was a technological gaping wound, <laughs> which uh, gets the point across when you have healthcare folks. And uh, the. Right. Um, so, but they came out with this, and it, it's a really great place to start. And what it says is these are the five threats that we feel are. Uh, most likely to impact any healthcare provider and anybody in the healthcare arena. And then it focuses on things you can do to uh, protect yourself from those five threats. And it goes Mm -hmm. on and on and on how it has nothing to do with HIPAA. It's not tied to HIPAA. It's not part of HIPAA. And they say it over and over. This is fully voluntary. You can do it. You don't have to do it, whatever. And 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 we need it also to um, be able to apply to all the different sizes and complexities. So you've got a small, medium and large, essentially. And and they have the main document that explains the five things and all of this. And then there's a small entity document, technical document, and then a medium and large technical document. It's great stuff. Um, and, and it's HICP and the phrase is the title of the document is so long I can't remember it. <laughs> so I just call it hiccup. But uh, in that, anybody could take that and make it apply to their business. Doesn't matter what. Right. And use the small one. And the Center for Internet Security, CIS, uh, their new version of uh, the SIS 20. They're the 20 rules exactly. that you follow um, to protect your business. And that's completely right. independent of healthcare altogether. Right. And their new version, was it 7.1? Uh, right. That has, what did they call theirs? Um, I don't think they called it small, medium, and large, but. Uh, essentially, they had the same approach. These are the things you have to do if you're a small entity. These are the things you should do if you're a medium. And these are the things you should do if you're a larger entity. 
And uh, between those two, any company should be able to take that information and do it. Right, right. And and be sure that they're doing the right thing. And I think what we're going to see is um, and, and that will increase involvement and, and compliance better than any threats of fines or penalties is that if you can show you are following these standards to the letter, uh, you know, within reason, then you can get a pass on some of these lawsuits and, and uh, penalties. And that will get their attention. I think everything that you've, everything that you've kind of addressed, you know, kind of almost answers my next question. But let me just ask this anyway. What are your recommendations? What are your recommendations for small organizations? I tell them all to um, uh, start. And, and it doesn't matter really what size business it is. If you don't have a cybersecurity program, pick uh, one of those two, the Hiccup or the Sys20. And do the small organization first. No matter what size you are, do the small organization first, because then you're building a foundation. If you just jump right. to the large thing, you're overwhelmed. Right. And you can adapt small to medium and then medium to large. Right. So that's where I say start with those guidelines, because the world that everybody believes is cybersecurity is I got an antivirus and I got a firewall. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what it used to be. That was, you know, you built your castle and you put everything behind the wall. In which we come back right to that same mentality that's been around for, what, 10, 15, 20 years now? You know, I've got my own little fortress and everything outside really is done and touching me, so I'm okay. Right. You know. Yeah, but what they don't know is there's a drone flying over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's tunnels underneath yeah and- exactly the world has changed um, outside of your cave yeah. and it's a very bad world <laughs> you know there's the you know the old saturday night live what is that pizza 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 there's the shark oh yeah there's the shark at the door uh and, and but that's that's a, you know the number of scams and you know, I, I probably once or twice a week report things to AT&T that's being texted to me or voicemails left to me that are scams that other people, you know, one that uh, they just did an alert. The um, Department of Homeland Security does these alerts for scams and, and uh, attacks. And two came out this week. One was um, that RDP servers that were open, which I don't know why anybody does that anymore, but they were attacking the RDP servers. And then once they got control of the RDP server, they were turning it into part of the botnet that was attacking RDP servers. So it just turned around and started attacking others, Um, which, you know, there's more to that that'll happen. You can count on it. And then the other was the scam where they're calling up and saying, you know, basically, we're going to arrest you, and um, you know, if you don't call right away, we're going to suspend your social security number or some crazy stuff like that. You know, that it's just designed to scare people and get them to call some eight hundred number and get tricked into giving some money. Right. 
Yeah, that's one of what I tell most people. One of the first checks, if something is legit or not, is if it causes a sudden emotion. Yeah. It's usually not. If it causes an emotional reaction, stop. Right. Because you know, that's what they're trying to do. Uh, and get somebody else to help you. And that that's the way we train. They're like, how do we know? It's like, if it causes an emotional reaction and not just a fear, if it causes joy. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we always talk about, you know, the one of the get a free sandwich, it, people click like crazy. Yeah, I remember a real-life example of an email someone was reading in an office, and they got this email, your package from UPS was delivered, and it was right around the holidays, right. and you could see them eagerly want to clip on it. It's like, no, don't click on that. <laughs> Move away from the keyboard and mouse. <laughs> I know. We had, we sent one of those out in our phishing test, and, and a COO of a company sent us an email. You got me. Don't even look. <laughs> you got me. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and confess before you get the report. Um, so I think you've given us a ton of valuable information. Uh, but before we have to wrap up, I want to ask you one question. Okay. Um, so a while back, before we listened to your podcast, um, so you gave an episode where you were talking about how you use an analogy of bloodborne pathogens uh, for when you're teaching cybersecurity healthcare. Oh, that's right. Uh, I've been in discussions. Use the flu. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been in discussions since then, and I think that's a great um, approach to take. Uh, whatever organization you're going into, make it applicable to what they can understand. Yeah. Um, do you mind just expounding on that a little bit? Yeah. Well, what I did is I, um, they, you know, the more I talk with the healthcare organizations, I'm always trying to come up with new ways to get their attention. And it was flu season and everybody was talking about the flu. And I uh, pulled there's uh, the CDC publishes a guide for uh, infection control in an ambulatory setting like a, a doctor's office. And I pulled that and I'm like, you know what? I can correlate almost everything on here to infection control for your technology. And, you know, things like uh, you need to make sure you wipe down and have a clean surface. Okay, well, I need to patch my operating system. And, you know, er every step of the way, and I showed them, okay, here's the flu, uh, and you can always get those hot maps of the flu so you can see how it, you know, was uh, active and I get a hot map of the flu and I show them and then I get a, you know, on one of the, the internet defense or whatever, I can't remember which one it is that does the map of uh, ransomware attacks. Right. And I got a map of a ransomware attack and I was like, okay, here's, this is the flu and this took, um, you know, weeks and months to reach, you know, this far and you had to have, uh, uh, contact with an individual for this to happen. This happened in a matter of minutes and hours, and all you had to do is be connected to the internet to be potentially infected. Mm. And they're like, "Whoa!" Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I talked about uh, a doorknob and how quickly, you know, the studies show that things can spread. Okay, well, that's what happens 
but in a much bigger way because now anybody can be infected in the world and potentially infect you. But we went through all of those things, washing your hands. Um, you know, we did the thing about the toothbrush, you know, your passwords like a toothbrush, you know, and get a good one <laughs> and uh, change it periodically and don't share it. <laughs> And I don't know. Some people said they were okay with sharing the toothbrush, and I'm like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then then we talk about you know, well, if you saw the toothbrush and you know you you you're going to somebody's house for the very first time and you look in the little toothbrush container and there is a toothbrush that looks like it's almost flat, you know, it's just sprawled over. Do they <laughs> care about hygiene? <laughs> And I, and, but equating that and making those jokes and equating that to, uh, you know, the password that, that they get right. it. Right. Right. You know, so yeah, the flu is perfect. And I use the flu. And in fact, in the hip, hiccup document, they use the flu. That's what we were joking about is that they stole that from me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I saw someone recently, uh, they were doing security for, I believe it was a building or an architectural organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were talking about how they were doing the same thing relating cybersecurity to what they can understand in their industry. Oh, yeah. Which, you wouldn't believe that. Which I think is incredibly important. Uh, so often security consultants, professionals, they come in speaking a whole other language and they don't uh, make it so that they relate to what the entity understands. Yeah. That's right. It's always an alienation when you're speaking these long technical jargon and no one understands on the layman's side. Well, break it down. Yeah. Well, one of the things, one of the sessions we do in the boot camp, the hippo uh, <laughs> one of the sessions we do in the boot camp is you, me and it. And, uh, and it, uh, I open with, uh, I'm sure you guys have seen the it crowd, the British comedy it crowd. And I open with, uh, a, a clip from that, show and it's you know the tech guys are you know have you turned it on and off again have you turned it on and off again (laughs) or you don't want to end up in (laughs) uh, unprotected memory you know crazy stuff Uh, so that's the way they're talking to people like they're idiots and or you know using terms they don't understand but on the flip side of that uh, the guy's talking about yeah I worked on uh, her computer uh, and while I was under the desk, she sat her coffee cup on and he turns around. He's got a, a, a mark from a mug on the back of his shirt. But the whole point is to say, you know, we all got to work together better than we have because we can all laugh at that. But at the same time, we know there's a good bit of truth. Right. Right. And the only way that we can do this is you know, to, to do it together. And one of the listeners of our podcast, who is a privacy officer at a VA medical center, uh, emailed us this week, uh, wanting to use our, um, slogan tagline, HIPAA is not about compliance, it's about patient care. And she asked, could she use that uh, on a flag that they were building? They were doing a competition. Of course, you know, we said yes. And, but one of her responses when she was thanking us was, that that message she felt like was so important because everybody worries in a healthcare setting about saving lives and um, making patients healthy. And they often see HIPAA as some bureaucratic paperwork 
And this tagline is what, you know, she's hoping will begin to get their attention because we can't fight the good fight unless we do it together. That's right. And I thought it was fantastic. We'll be, we'll be reading that little note on the podcast that we see soon, but it's the same thing. We, we have to learn to communicate with each other. Yes. And, and respect each other because we need each other. That's exactly. Cool. That's exactly right. That's yeah. great. And until you have that awareness, I don't think anything else will work. Yeah. yeah that's what I was just thinking as you were saying that awareness, awareness, awareness. Yeah. Education. But you've got to find a yes. way to educate, not shove it down their throat. That's correct. So there you go, well, fellas. We have got a ton of valuable information from you today. Um, before we go, do you mind telling everybody if they are interested in your services or your podcasts, uh, where they can find you? Sure. Thank you for reminding me to do that. You know, I'm not very good at all that sales stuff. Uh, you can listen to the podcast uh, on pretty much anywhere at uh, Help Me With HIPAA. Uh, you can search for that, and it's HIP. Uh, most people that tell us they can't find it, it's because they did hip hop, <laughs> um, and my company, you can find information about us at cardenhq.com that, uh, HQ like headquarters or for some people help quick. Um, but we provide services to small businesses, small and medium, just like you guys that uh, need to comply with HIPAA. And we're even now working with ones who, okay, we're not in healthcare, but we need to show we're doing these things and have a formal program. So we use things like the NIST CSF and the CIS 20 and those kind of things to help those folks as well. And, uh, and I will just add in the Help Me With HIPAA podcast is a great podcast. I listen to every episode. <laughs> yeah, hey, I feel so, so honored. I encourage you to go listen. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, we've been at that a while. We just uh, did what, 206 yesterday. So um, four years, we've published something every single Friday. And that's the SMB Cybercast podcast. Thank you again for listening. Please check out our other white papers, roadmaps, and webcasts at www.cyberx.tech/resources and our blog at www.cyberx.tech/blog. We have lots of guides and roadmaps to help you improve your cybersecurity program. Go check us out and we'll see you next episode.